Hello, my name is Mark Green, Mission Champion at the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And this is the TJM Thank God It's Monday podcast, where we explore the wonderful ways in which Jesus works through his people in a whole variety of jobs and sectors. Today, we're looking at education, and the lessons in life and work are coming from Hannah Baldry, over three, three glorious years into her <laughs> career as a primary school teacher, and from Kim Hall, also been a primary school teacher, been a head teacher, been one of his majesty's inspectors of schools, and is now a consultant working with senior leadership teams in education. Well, shalom and welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in after your very first dance lesson today. <laughs> yes. uh, as ever um, in the TJM podcast, you, the guests, get to squawk at each other, talk to each other, ask questions if you like. But I'm putting my hand up first, if I may. So, Miss Baldry. Um, three years into teaching in an inner city primary school. Yeah. Still beaming. And uh, what drew you into teaching? It's a good question. Um, I think at first... It wasn't really something that I had considered doing, really. I'm not really sure why, because now I look back and I think it really fits my skill set and the things that I enjoy. Um, I think sometimes it can just get a bit of a bad reputation. It's the kind of thing that you go into once you've done what you would actually like to do as your career. Um, or you fail to do what you Or you fail to do, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, completely. And if you can't be a secondary school teacher, then you become a primary school teacher, um, which actually just isn't true. I think there are there's a massive community of really passionate primary school and secondary school teachers um, who choose to go into the profession because they want to. Hmm. But I think that wasn't me to begin with. And then just gradually over time, I think it. I kind of found myself in uh, places of experience where I was experiencing working with children and really enjoying that. Um, Various, even kind of kids' camps, Sunday school, uh, Sunday school teams, and that kind of thing. So, eventually, started to think that maybe that was an option for me career-wise. Um, but really, I think my passion kind of began when I was at Live Village, mm -hmm. which is a charity in South Africa that support orphaned and vulnerable children. Um, and I was there for six months when I was eighteen, and I did three months kind of work experience in the school uh which was chaotic at points <laughs> having had no experience and just launching in um but I just really loved it I really loved it I was working with really vulnerable children from the local townships mm. um most of whom lived on the village or were children of staff that were there and I just had a really fantastic time I worked with a great teacher there and it was really tough but I think almost seeing the most extreme side of the profession was 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 really exciting I kind of saw yeah. I guess the adventurous side of it where you really don't know what you're doing where you're really thrown in and you just have to kind of work it out um but also learned from some really passionate some really driven people who knew that they were there because God had called them to be there and they were choosing the harder path um, and I worked with one child in particular who really struggled with his behavior. Um, and so supporting him, I just found I really loved it. I really yeah. loved the chaos. I love, <laughs> weirdly, I loved the chaos. I loved just getting alongside 
a child and just seeing them change. And yeah. yes, there were very difficult days, but they were also really joyful days. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. And so I already had a place at university, which I'd deferred. So that kind of affirmed my choice, which was great. Mm -hmm. So that was really where it started. Um, and then I did three years at the University of Gloucestershire and I did the straight teaching degree um, and did various different placements and mm -hmm. year groups and yeah. That's kind so of you're in you're in Gloucester. Yes. And often teachers just go go local, don't they? Yes, they do. A lot of people just kind of then teach where they did their training, or they go back to where they grew up and they and they teach there. Um, but I really felt God call me to London. Um, it was COVID lockdown number one uh, when I was applying for my first job, just to add another level of chaos to. Uh, an already quite chaotic process. But you of, like that? Of interviews. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was difficult, but I knew that God just wanted me in London. I couldn't really explain it. You know when you just feel the pull of the Holy Spirit to a place and yeah. it just feels appealing and exciting and you kind of know that that's where you're meant to be. Um, so kind of blindly followed in obedience and I mean it's not an unusual thing to move to London after university but mm. I think for a teacher they might want a few few years experience elsewhere before they try an inner city primary school um, but I landed a job um, as an NQT which it was then um, and started I mean they employed me and they'd never seen me teach a lesson because I had a Zoom interview. <laughs> so it was a risk for them and it was a risk Very for me. Good screen test, you got to go on Hollywood. Good screen, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was a challenge, but I love it. And thankfully, love my, love my school. Um, and it is very different to where I trained. Mm. But God knew and he knew that I would really enjoy it. So just tell me a little bit about that school, I mean, you've said inner city, but there's lots yeah. of different kinds of inner cities, isn't there? There are, very much so. Um, so I teach um, just off the Edgware Road, kind of in between two quite large council estates. Right. Um, and there are, I think, about 42 languages spoken in my primary school across seven classes, um, from nursery all the way up to year six. Uh, which presents a challenge as well, having not had much experience teaching children who were um, English as an additional language. But um, yeah, it was a good challenge. I think very different to what I was used to, uh, but wonderful. <laughs> Before I come to come, let me just ask you one more question about this. Yeah. So you've chosen to go to a, a school full of vulnerable, marginalised children, many of whom are not speaking English at home, I assume. Yes. And so on. And you, you've got chaos there and all of those sort of <laughs> things that I probably can't fully imagine. Why are you choosing? What's making you choose that? It's mm, a good think? question. I mean, in every school across the country, there are vulnerable families, vulnerable mm -hmm. children. But I think I, I really felt the pull to work with children of, of different cultures, of different, different nationalities. There are a huge number of asylum seekers and refugees um, at my primary school. And I just really felt called to kind of jump in to what that would look like. I think in the future, I would love to work with children who uh, really struggle with their behavior and 
thankfully the children at my school behave really well <laughs> but there is that very difficult element of there's a lot of vulnerable families there's a lot of low-income families um people who have just moved to the UK who don't know the culture who don't know English um and they're really thrown into an alien environment and I think Jesus did a lot of meeting people in quite alien environments and he specialized in getting alongside families, individuals, children, people who were different to him, who were marginalized. And I really felt that that was something that I wanted to do as well. I wanted to mirror that in my work. And I think I do have and have always had a heart for justice, but just the way that Jesus just offers such safety and he can offer, you know, even if everything else falls away, if you have kind of no money, you have no academic prospects, if there's nothing else that you feel like you can offer the world, Jesus gets alongside you and he he supports the broken. Um, and just to do that with teaching is just something I wanted to do. And I also just feel like education is a huge vehicle for change. It's kind of statistically proven that it's the one thing that can lift people out of poverty especially you know you kind of look at Afghanistan and what's going on there with the Taliban and girls in education and um that was the one thing that really transformed that nation and it's devastating that it's just been taken away from them but statistically if you can read and you can write that really lifts you out of poverty so there's also you know a practical element I think to the heart that I have behind it too yeah um, and I think Jesus did that as well he fed people and he clothed people um, and he gave them somewhere to stay and he put them in a community and I think that there is such power to do that as well well I think the Department of Education will thank you for that propaganda <laughs> message <laughs> that's yes. marvellous marvellous Kim yes different story but but very similar, and I have to say, already, I would love to be a child in your class. <laughs> that would be absolutely... Sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. Maybe a bit late for that, Kim. So that can happen. <laughs> tell, tell us about uh, how you got into all of this. Oh, goodness. Well, I'm a lot older and have been... Uh, and, and how long have you got, I suppose, mm -hmm. is, the, is the answer. But uh, for me, I came... I was somebody who came from a background that was disadvantaged and uh, and actually um, I realized when I became a teacher that I was somebody who would have been on the child protection register and I would have been actually one of these vulnerable people and vulnerable pupils but actually what I experienced in school was exactly what you talked about that safety the safety of being in school mm. a teacher who taught me to read and because I didn't get that at home at all. So the fact I learned to read opened up, exactly as you said, opened up for me a completely different experience and opened my eyes to what else could be and, and, and that I wasn't defined by the place that I'd mm. been born into. And so I was one of these people who played with my dolls to get them to, I wanted them to sing. They didn't quite do as I expected them to. Um, and really felt very early on that I had a, a call, and it was a call to be a teacher right. that, because of what I had experienced. And, but that wasn't to be, God knows why. 
and, and knows exactly the number of times that I'd had places to, to train to become a teacher and couldn't, wasn't able to take them up. And uh, I, I obviously wasn't ready at that time to become a teacher. And it wasn't until I went into retail and retail management and, it, it, and also in training and development. So I kind of was teaching and there were lots of things that I was thinking, actually, this is all fine. Um, and then it was actually in my 30s where I retrained and we decided as a, a family that, yes, I would train, I would go back to university, I would start exactly as you did, four years of training to wow. be able to then uh, become a teacher. And, and that's what I did. I went to Cambridge. Um, there was a, a great programme called Fast Track, which meant that my leadership experience um, wasn't going to be wasted. And I had a real sense of God saying, the years the locusts, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And um, yeah, so I, I then went into teaching and with all the same kind of views that everything was going to be fabulous. And um, my first job was in a very difficult area with children who again not so much language but actually had low aspiration families had low aspiration lots of vulnerability and I said um I'll teach any year group apart from year six so I got and I got given year six <laughs> and this year six came with a huge reputation they'd had such a poor experience nobody wanted to teach them um, that my first day they were all sat outside the head teacher's office um, adults were unkind to them they had had a very very difficult experience and I remember praying about what can I do for these children who are at the very last year before they go off to secondary school and uh, it was there that that I, I coined the phrase, which then uh, went through all my career, I only teach the best. So I said to the children, I, I have come into teaching because I only teach the best. And so therefore you must be the best because I only teach the best. <laughs> and, um, and they were kind of, you know, actually, this woman's a bit mad really, isn't she? <laughs> she doesn't got a clue what, what, what we're like. And we learn together how to develop a class that um, where people are safe, where you can learn, where you can be you, but actually we, we learn how to be together as well as people. And I learned the fact that teachers are leaders of their classroom and they are leaders of learning and that difference that you make actually comes from not not just the subjects that you teach, but actually the way in which you care and the way in which you want to build your own craft mm. for uh, as a teacher and and that you you build up mutual respect with with children and young people that actually is just amazing to, to have. Let me ask you a question just about the word best. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, because, you know, it can mean a lot of things, can't it? <laughs> Clearly not best in the sense of, you know, competing with, um, I don't know, Winchester College with classes of 12 kids and 
you know, it's not, not, not best in that sense. No. So how how are you defining best mm. in in that context for them and in yeah. sense for yourself? Yeah. And obviously for their guardians or parents mm. and carers. So so in terms of having a, a kind of line of saying, you know, I only teach the best, what you then had to do is really unpack with them what that would look like. So yeah. what does best mean? Mm. And having those um, times where right at the very start, you're you're negotiating as a teacher you negotiate all day long with children <laughs> yes don't you absolutely <laughs> do you're negotiating and, and working out i'll have this you have that and and Gosh, i thought it was command and control no no it's a, a lot of it's there a lot, a lot of skills of negotiation yeah. and um coming up with them what does best look like so what does best look like from me to them and what does best look like from you to me? And how will we do that? So what does it look like? What does it look like? <laughs> well, what it looked like was we we worked out that that actually um, it was about being honest. It was about encouraging. It was about being uh, kind and caring to each other and mm. lifting each other up. It was about achievement. It was about responsibility and my responsibility mm. to, in, within the environment. And it was about trust trust and trustworthiness and being trusted, being trusted with what you said and being trusted uh, to do the things that you said you were going to do. And I really learned that that class, at the end of the year, that class, every single young person cried when they left and they achieved great things mm. in, in the year because it wasn't that they couldn't achieve. They hadn't had the environment in which they could thrive mm. and and that's what it was about and I have so many stories and last year interestingly in a time when I was thinking about retiring and all those things I met in one of those kind of god instant instances <laughs> I met two pupils from that class who recognized me straight away and who are now in their 30s and have their own children and could talk to me about actually the difference that that year had made to them. And wow. I couldn't have known that at the time. I, no. I was hanging on by my fingernails sometimes in the first year of teaching um, with this class of 30 that were all over the place um, and in that lovely chaos that you mentioned, Hannah. And, but actually, God knew differently. And if I, it had been up to me, I wouldn't have taught them because I didn't want to teach year six. So thank goodness it wasn't. And did that change you then? Yes, it did. It changed me. It helped me understand the seasons that that are in teaching mm. and the difference of the, you know, the different half terms and how they work and how the rhythm of, of the school year. It really helped me understand that. It helped me understand to have a, a vision for the children in my class mm. that that was really important for me to have and as a Christian it helped me to rely on God to provide uh, insight sometimes mm. uh, I had a I had a child whose whose father had died and um, it was really sad and really difficult but actually knowing her and how how you responded at different times was was a real learning for me um, so that it didn't embarrass her either because that wouldn't have been what she wanted. And so it's all understanding all of those things came from that class. 
and they would say, Mrs. Hall's walked over to the window. We've done something. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even have to say anything. They just, that whole class we worked as a... You go to the window. You just go to the window. Exactly, it was. Mrs. Hall has gone to the window. Don't come back. So they were, and, and they taught me about the, the main things that I then carried through into being a head teacher and then also into my, my life beyond in terms of education. So, you know, they were a really, uh, a really pivotal class for me. And the thing you didn't want turned out to be... That's right. The best the gift. The best of. gift of all it was. Yeah. Similar heart, but, you know, I think you can probably yeah. sense that. I mean, yeah. Both putting yeah. yourselves in actually relatively speaking difficult situations yeah. both having an experience quite young mm. of something mm. you know, live and so on yeah. um just say to tell me you know because something i know is that you basically when you became a head you pretty much chose to go to schools in special measure yeah so can i ask you the question <laughs> that i that i sort of asked in a different context why, why? <laughs> because those children um the children deserve to have the quality and they deserve to have education that helps make a difference for them and actually um the you talked hannah and, and it really resonated with me about the fact that actually the biggest gift we give to children who are disadvantaged is the ability to read and actually uh, that was a, 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 an absolute driver for me in terms of children will not leave my watch not being able to read. And so in schools that uh, are often failing schools, that's the one area that you look at and, and you see that children aren't learning to read and they're not being taught to read well. Mm. Um, and they're not getting a love and an enjoyment of the written word mm. and all that that will give them and it's they're quite sad places to go to but they are places where actually um god just gave me a heart for the children in this place and i thought i can be an advocate that's that's mm. my job i can i can bring i can bring the skills that I've developed, I can bring all of it, those things into this place and make a difference for children. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's why I went mm. and uh, to to work with to work with children who would say to me, "But no one wants to be with us." Yeah. Well, can I come back a little while to leadership? Yeah. Because um, you know a bit about that. I do. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little, only a little. <laughs> Um, well, no star, I think, in leadership, no. do you? Um, <laughs> I know, you know, um, early years in the teaching, obviously, yeah. you've got kids. Yeah. And obviously, you've got colleagues, but mm. you've also got parents. Yeah. I wonder if you'd like, if you'd like to say <laughs> yeah. to me how, you know, this particular, I mean, obviously, I am one, and I know that I was probably difficult at times, <laughs> but I'm sure parents in general are an issue, but I'm, I'm just interested also, yeah. not just in the general things, but also here you are in a multicultural school. and. Mm. Um, with parents from quite different social and religious backgrounds. Yes, completely. So Yes, ten, it is hard. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know if I've got ten, maybe three. Um, <laughs> Negotiate, we're negotiating. Hard. Yes, <laughs> negotiating, bribery, all of those really good, useful skills. Um, parents are difficult sometimes. 
Um, and I think the sometimes is key mm -hmm. because I think you do have wonderful relationships with parents mm -hmm. as well. And you can develop a really lovely relationship with a family when you've taught mm -hmm. multiple siblings and you, you get to know the parents mm -hmm. really well. Um, and I think kind of whatever um, family situation you've got, parents, carers, grandparents, they all need to be encouraged that they are raising their children yeah. in a really difficult world. Yeah. And there are many challenges of any carer mm. for bringing up children. Um, and so I think the one thing I always try to do is be encouraging. Um, even if their child is very difficult <laughs> in the classroom or is causing problems or whatever it might be. Actually just always labeling, you're doing really well. You're doing a really good job. And I think, obviously I'm, I'm, not, I'm young, I'm not a parent yet. And so there is also sometimes that disconnect of actually I really don't know what it's like to have a job and a family. Mm. Um, and also sometimes labeling that can be helpful as well, that you admit in the places that you don't understand. Mm. Um, but yes, generally it can be very difficult when there's cultural divides, cultural boundaries. Um, I think there's a big spectrum. I've kind of, I've had everything from parents not engaging with me because I'm a young female mm. um, and they kind of don't think I have any idea what I'm talking about or... I'm not very good at maths because I'm a girl. I have had that one before. Aren't you head of maths now? Yes. <laughs> I'm head of maths. Actually. Yes, I'm maths now. Um, <laughs> yes, which is kind of ironic. But, um, I, but then I've also had really wonderful relationships with parents where I feel like communication has been really clear. Generally, it gets difficult where there's miscommunication. And obviously, mm -hmm. there being such a language barrier at my school, it is hard. Mm -hmm. We do have translators. Mm -hmm. um, and, and lots of staff that come and translate for us too, which is helpful. Um, or the children translate sometimes as well, which at, which at parents' evening is always interesting. Sometimes you look at them and you think, I know that you haven't said exactly what I said to your dad. I can tell. <laughs> your father seems to be smiling a lot. What, what, did, what did you say? You said exactly what I just told you. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, parents, it's always an ongoing battle but it's like any relationship really relationships with children relationships with colleagues you handle it professionally and you show them the love of God and I try to be clear always I try to be honest always um but generally once they get to know you um you can get on pretty well with them <laughs> like any relationship yeah. it goes through ups and downs um so the first few years, it, it's, you know, from the outside, you know, I've had teacher friends, you know, the first year is... <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but there's, a, there's a lot of pressure all the way through. You're learning lots of things, there's things coming to you. You've got, you know, 30 kids, yeah. six hours a day, five days a week, eight yes. a year. It's quite, quite... So what's, what's sustained you through that? Um, you know, in, in whatever way, maybe, you know, Mars bars or maybe spiritual distance. <laughs> coffee, coffee, chocolate. Yeah, all of that. Mm. It's a good question. I think the thing I find hardest is the daily grind. Um, and what you were saying, Kim, about having vision. I think when you're first immersed in the school environment and you really are learning on your feet and I kind of, I used to always imagine it as swimming in a really big ocean and the waves are just kind of here. Mm -hmm. All the time, 
and you kind of are semi-swimming, semi-drowning, um, that is kind of what your first year feels like constantly. And it mm. doesn't really ease because once you've ticked one thing off the to-do list, mm. there's another thing to learn. And mm. you're very much learning to teach alongside everything else, how to be professional, how to have working relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know that is the same in, in a lot of jobs. I mean, you think about the NHS and how people are just really thrown in the deep end. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is a challenge. Um, and learning to have vision and to have God's vision for your class mm -hmm. is very difficult in the first year. Um, but you do just gradually learn and you do just gradually, you talked about the journey that you go on with your yeah. class. You do learn the different seasons of teaching. I mean, the run up to Christmas is normally absolute, like just absolute carnage. <laughs> um, and really full on. And the same as the run up to the end of term, it's endless, endless to-do lists and endless reports to write and endless meetings. But you do learn and you do grow. And there is, there is a, a way of learning to have grace for yourself. Um, and it kind of does get easier. When I first started, I remember my auntie who was a teacher said to me, it's really useful, like really, sorry, useless advice, but it just does get easier. And it, and it does in time. Um, but I definitely felt really burnt out in the first year and really had to rely on my, on my friendships with other people, on my family to really encourage me through. I remember my housemates used to make me dinner all the time because <laughs> I just came home exhausted. Um, report writing season the first time round was horrendous and they really just pulled me through. So you do have to have really good relationships and people around you um I think it's very difficult to not let that affect your faith and to not bring in that kind of measurement culture into your relationship with God and how do you rest really well how do you have a sabbath when you've got 90 books to mark at the weekend and homework to prepare and it does it does really test you, and I think... Sort of like salvation by works, is it? Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think teaching can kind of lend itself to you mm. feeling a bit like you have to earn, earn your way, mm. because it is all about how much progress can you get these children to make? Mm. How much more do we need to be doing? How are we measuring that? And in some ways, like, yes, there definitely does need to be ways that we measure yeah. academic success, mm. but also it's very difficult when you are kind of solely responsible for that day, yeah. that day to day <laughs> when that is your one job because it's never finished. Um, and, you know, often I would kind of go straight from the classroom, maybe into a church worship event and to undo that almost like overstimulation of the, of the teaching day and to undo that, okay, I'm now not earning my way. God loves me regardless yeah. of what I can bring for him, regardless of what I can offer, regardless of what I can bring, to not bring the difficulties of the teaching day into your rest and into your relationship with God is really, really difficult. And I think I found gradually now over the years that actually I really do need to retreat to the secret place. Um, I try to do it every morning. That does not always happen, especially on a Thursday and a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> But I do, I really do need 
that time with Jesus in the morning. And I, I need to actually not pray for any of the children, not pray for any of my relationships at work, just be me and Jesus and just be intimate with him. And, and I'm sure that there will be many different seasons of that. There have been seasons when I've really interceded for, for my class and I've really prayed for specific things going on. But generally, I just need that half an hour in the presence of God in the morning. And, and I've had to really learn what it looks like to cultivate that. And I'm still not there, as we all are with our own personal intimate relationships with God. But I've really found there to just be fruit in just remaining in him in that place in the morning. And then even if by 10 past nine, when I've done the register, (laughs) I've lost my, you know, lost all patience with the children. Somebody's already had an argument or whatever it is. I can still remember that I was in that place in the morning. And so therefore Jesus is with me in the classroom. I might not feel it. I might be completely acting out of obedience. I might, have forgotten all of the fruits of the spirit (laughs) but I was in that place and so therefore he must be with me now and I must be bringing him in with me into this environment Mm. and it is difficult also to teach children of and and to be with families of different of different faiths it is sometimes you do come come against stuff generally I found it to be a really wonderful and positive experience but it can be really hard and so and, and I mean, again, it's the same in any job. If you're working in a prison or you're working in the NHS, it is so challenging working with different people. Um, but the Holy Spirit is what can soften those relationships. He's the one that can give you insight. He's the one that can you know, give you prophetic words if you need yeah. them and to see, to see children and families with the eyes of, of, the, of the Lord. Yeah. And again, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> but... He is there and he's available to us. Um, So that has really been what's got me through the daily grind. Amen. Okay, so Tim. Tim. Any comments on that? I mean, anything to, you know? Do you know, one one of the things that happens in in teaching is that teachers invariably, I think, is go to the bits that they haven't done rather than the bits... The, the, yeah. the parts of their day that actually work really well and one of the things I used to as a head teacher was make um, my teachers when we met together or 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 I had any conversation with them and say what are the two things that work well today what's the one thing you're going to do differently tomorrow and I want you to go home with the two things that work well and because um the jo- the job we all have 24 hours a day. No one has any more or any, you know, or less. And actually, the job of a teacher, it is, can continue, could spend 24 hours actually trying to uh, fulfill what you think you need to do. Yeah, but actually, it's knowing when enough, this is enough, I have done enough. And uh, it's not about the more I strive but it's about the more I think of what the children need rather than me striving, I think is, is a way that I've seen experienced teachers continue and continue to refresh as they go through through their career. Um, and it's a really important lesson for us, you mm. know, for for teachers really to to have that, that it's okay. Mm. I did I I chose for myself, I didn't work on a Friday night and I never worked on a Saturday. So it was 
those are times that I have off and then I start again Sunday afternoon, the usual Sunday afternoon. As a head teacher, it never stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, it continued. But equally, I think in jobs where you are, you are looking at how you make a difference to the next generation of people and how you educate those and how you become skilled in your craft to be able to educate. And I, I look to the Bible and keep thinking the number of references to being a teacher and actually the calling that that brings just shows it's really high on God's agenda to be a, to be a teacher. And so therefore it probably is hard work. Mm. So there's a bit of wisdom <laughs> for early career teachers. Or early. Is that the right language? Yeah. Early career teachers, it is. ECTs. ECTs. <laughs> Let's turn to your, you know, your sort of career as a head and yeah. going into school, yeah. going to schools, um, instilling a, trying to shift a culture. Mm. Would like to say something about that? how you went yeah. about shifting cultures yeah it's um so so special measure schools that that is what you are trying to do trying to move that culture and instill a culture so you, you know it's very clear as a head teacher going in um yeah i'll talk to you about an example of one of the schools that i was i was head of um the the children really felt they were the lowest in the in the school and um the school the school was very much about adults so it, mm. and the behavior was poor i i think you know if if ofsted had had grade sixes for things <laughs> that's actually what the school would have got or is it is it grade five the worst that you can do? Always the worst. You can get always the worst. So six, grade six is, you know, it really was. Um, it, it, it was. It was a very grim place, and um, I hadn't even wanted to go there. It was a bit of a Nineveh experience, and God oh. again putting me there, as opposed to me wanting to go there. I I thought I don't I don't want to go there at all, and then lo and behold, I was there. Even though you like going to bad places. Even though I like going to bad places. This was not a, this was not a place. This was very, very difficult. Oh, right. But the school had the longest corridor. It had been, um, one part of the building had been built as a World War II hospital. Or it was going to be a World War II hospital. Wow. Um, and then it never opened. It opened as a school. So it had the longest corridor. And the boys, and it was boys unfortunately would run down the corridor and then do a great big slide at the end <laughs> which was you know that was their that was the thing that they would do and nobody stopped them no one brought them back in in any way kindly softly or whatever and uh, so again I decided that I needed to do something to to sort this this part of behavior which was was really quite taxing and so the first half term, I had red carpet put in through the whole school and through the corridors. And the, the children came back to school and I asked them if they'd noticed if anything had changed. And um, they said, oh, there was red carpet. And I said, oh, yeah, there is red carpet. And, and why would I want red carpet? And they talked about important visitors that came to the school they talked about the staff they talked about the fact that I was important which I agreed with them. <laughs> it was very important and they talked about they, they took 
a long time. This was a school of, I think, 480 children. Mm -hmm. And one little one said, is it because of us? <laughs> and slowly having to, to talk with them and explain to them about how special they were. And therefore, because they were special, they could have red carpet. And then we looked at, at actually what happens on red carpet and how people are and what they do and how they walk and with their heads high and you know <laughs> and um overnight it changed wow from children running around the school to walking proudly around the school with their heads held high mm. There were other things where I, I also had to change the language that staff used with children mm. and to have them to, in, in every case, say, you acknowledge a child. Mm. And in every case, you say, thank you for walking. You don't say, don't walk or don't run, stop running. You say, thank you for walking. Thank you for walking. Mm. Mm. And the, just those small things and they were often very small made such a big difference to the culture of the school and when new families would come I'd hear the children talk to them about the red carpet and we walk on the red carpet and we hold our heads up high on the red carpet this is how we are because we're very special you know and it, it really made and there were many stories like that but that one that one made its way to the DFE as well that one because it changed behavior instantly and and was it anything I did it, it wasn't it, you know again there were, there were lots of god moments where actually there was a touch of God to make that, to make that change as well. So, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's creativity in line with a value. Yeah, it's it not just no. red carpets. I mean, no, it's not. They were the best. They were the best, exactly. They were the best <laughs> and they knew they were the best. And that's one yeah. of the ways that you show yeah, them, it is. help them to see yeah. that they were the best. Yeah. So it's, um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? When, you know, love is often very creative. Yes. It is, it yeah. is. Yeah. And, and, and very, thinking about what they need um, and you talk about measurement I think as a as a head teacher you have the responsibility for all of those things I've been I've been there in those schools where the, the you know the the results are not where they need to be and we're having to do an awful lot of work but actually how you put that um, that's that that stress that how you explain that, how you equip your teachers is actually very important in terms of then uh, getting that measurement to be, you know, to be in its right place. Because mm. actually, if we get all these things right, the measurement will look after itself. And, and that's what we need to, to make sure we're doing. Uh, you two obviously know all about what a head teacher has to do. But actually, mm -hmm. could you give me a sense of... Um, what a head teacher does. Well, a compactity of it. <laughs> Yes. Because what yes. don't they do? <laughs> do you know, the, the, being a head teacher is, it, is, again, one of the biggest privileges, I think, uh, you know, apart from being one of Her Majesty's, uh, His Majesty's Inspector. Um, actually, it's a real privilege to be a head and to actually organise a school, to galvanise people, to to train and develop staff mm. to be able to be really good practitioners, really good, you know, we're going to, again, if you teach the best, your teachers have to be the best. Mm -hmm. And um, being very much involved in that. The head teachers also have to know all about finance, buildings, 
HR, they have to be all kinds of things. And I learned, for me, having been in retail, actually, all of that that I'd learned there was really very useful. <laughs> but luckily, the, the locusts may have devoured those years, but they left something for you. Did. They did. And and so that was that was a really good, you know, to be able to do those practical things that a head teacher has to make sure are in are in place. Um schools that are in special measures, you, you have to do you have to make a lot of decisions that aren't very pleasant and, and easy for for people. And uh learning how to how to bring people along with you, how to, and mm. also how to find the teachers that have got the potential and the joy of teaching to, to, to actually take that and to nurture it mm. and to give them a voice was really important as well as a head. Um, yeah, I, I think you're a, apparently you're a swan. I've never quite understood being a swan. I don't think I was ever a swan, but but I get the, I get the analogy of you when you left your office or you went out. You 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 walked slowly along yeah, the red you carpet. Yeah, you did. You walked slowly <laughs> along the red carpet. You did, and uh, I, you know you made sure you knew every child. You you knew all about them. You could ask them something about about each each and every person. So complex job. I mean, I've yeah. Hannah a little bit about the pressure and how she's handled it. With yeah, which yes. Um, you know, we're all different. How how did you? How did how, I do? How did you do? Well, I I had a number of things actually over over the time. Uh, in in one in one of the schools, I had a prayer team from school from the church that would come and they would walk round the school praying wow. round the outside like the walls of Jericho around the outside which was and the school fell down and the school fell down <laughs> and off me and no 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 not at all that has happened recently no and that that was that was really really important and helped in those times I couldn't pray exactly as you're saying when sometimes things are so difficult actually I I didn't always have the words to know how to pray. Um, I would, uh, at the beginning of term, before everybody came, I would walk around the school and um, just breathe God, breathe the breath of God into the school. Wow. That was uh, something I did to make sure that actually that's what I was doing each time. I went on the executive toolbox I, I, this is the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. This is outstanding. Executive <laughs> program. Executive program. Totally outstanding. And I, and I actually asked, I asked the governors at the time for that to be part of my performance management and my development and oh. that the school paid for it wow. because that was part of the development. And all along I thought you've made a huge personal sacrifice. <laughs> no, no, and, and so, again, that was a, a way in, in which to talk about kind of leadership development and my development and my the importance for me for it to be in a Christian context and, right. that, and that was very important for me. But it's not just a witness thing, it's a, no. it's a personal determination it is, to grow. It, it is, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, Christian Christian coaching, actually making sure I had a coach as well along the, the way to be able to um, have those times where as a head teacher when it's quite a lonely position mm. and you can't explain to people some of the things that are going on yeah. because that's not appropriate actually to have somebody that you could be yourself 
and just say, and, and this I'm really struggling with and mm. I need to work it through. And them helping you to do that was, again, absolutely important. Um, and I, I do have one person that I, I need to kind of, that I remembered because I, I talked about, you know, as a, an early teacher. In my first school that I was head, a chair of governors, a very wise man who had um, called Robert, who has years of experience in education, uh, came to each week to meet me. 18 years later, I still meet him. I meet him two or three times a year. We have lunch together and uh, he helps me to keep sharp, to think carefully, to, to be challenged when I need to be challenged and actually to keep soft and to keep mm. that heart for, for children as well. And um, he's a man now in his 80s and he still takes time to meet with me. That's brilliant. Mm. Hope was all. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Got a few years to go, just, just in case anybody's wondering. In terms of just, I mean, you know, oh, there's a teacher. I know. Right? You know how, do you, exactly. how, how did you look after your teachers? Oh, how did I look after my teachers? Well, on a Friday, and because you're absolutely right, Hannah, you mentioned earlier about Thursdays being the <laughs> yes. bit, of a, bit of a day. On a Friday, I would, at the end of school, would walk around the school and go and see as many teachers as I could in their classrooms. You don't have, you could yeah. come and see me, but I would go and, and um, I would take with me chocolates and tissues. Ooh. And it was about, okay, what's your week been like? What, what do I need to know? Is it a chocolate week or is it a tissue week? And let's talk about what's been going on in your week and what I need to do to, to respond to that. Mm. Um, and, um, being in a, a supportive environment where leadership looks very different in teaching yeah. uh, is, is really crucial for you to continue at being the, the teacher that God has obviously made you into, into being. Mm. And that's, that was a, a very important thing for me. And it was important that they, the teachers didn't feel they had to come to me. They did. But it wasn't about you come and find me. I will come and find you. I will come and walk alongside I will run down the road yeah, towards you. I will run down the road towards you and I will, I will walk alongside with you. Um, and at those points, um, they were, it was really important to have those conversations with people. Mm. They made such a difference. Yeah, I they can really imagine. They really did. I can say that. Yeah. And again, they were the small things that made the biggest change. And actually what you saw was staff who who continued to be motivated, mm. who wanted to then, you know, who dug deep at times yeah. because they had to. In special measure schools, they're not easy places for teachers to work mm. in. They dug, and, and actually, but the joy of seeing um, other professionals grow and develop was just amazing. And mm. I still, one of my my biggest, uh, my biggest senses of joy is the fact that those teachers that worked through those schools with me and those leaders are still in education. Wow. And they're still, they're still there, still making a difference. So, Hannah, let me ask yes. you a question. Three <laughs> years into teaching, yeah. lots of people leave teaching. They do. They do. Huge mm -hmm. numbers. Of people, they, they, they stick it out for three to five years. And, yeah. And um, they leave. A lot of people in your generation. And there's lots of reasons yeah. for that, isn't there? I just wonder... 
Um, if you were giving anybody any advice mm -hmm. who's starting mm -hmm. in teaching in their first three or four years about <laughs> uh, why either not to go into it in the first place or why to go into it or how mm. to sustain it, what, what would your thoughts be? I mean, obviously, being a teacher now <laughs> and kind of seeing the joy that I do see, I would always recommend for somebody to go into teaching. Mm. Um, but that just doesn't discount, like mm. you said, the weeks where you need tissues. Um, and those do happen. I always tend to find that about at least about once every half term, I have a bit of a day where I just just the job has just got to me and I just feel like it's a bit too much. And I normally go home and have a little cry, have a cup of tea and I'm all right. <laughs> um, but just because, and I think I said to you the other day, sometimes it just feels a little bit like, and well, Instagram, which is not the source of all knowledge, but mm. does have some good analogies. I saw one thing that said that teaching being a teacher day to day in the classroom is a little bit like preparing a meal, but for 30 different people who have 30 slightly varying dietary requirements. And sometimes you're not even really sure what those dietary requirements are. Uh, sometimes you even have to work that out for yourself, normally by making them ill and then discovering that's not how they like to eat. <laughs> um, and you, you have to prepare the food and then you have to serve the food five times a day for for five hours and you have mm. to also entertain them whilst they're eating the meal but the meal also has to look nice otherwise they're not going to want to eat it mm. um, and they also get quite confused whilst they eat the meal so you've got to explain to them how they need to eat the meal <laughs> and then what might happen is somebody might come in and then tell you that you're serving the meal wrong or you might have somebody that wants to come and join in and eat it as well but you haven't prepared enough for them <laughs> and you can kind of imagine what doing that for five hours a day does if you, you know, if you just like I said at the beginning, when just everything is kind of constantly here a lot of the time. And so really the hardest thing, I think, and the thing that really puts people off is the capacity, is the, the capacity that it requires and the, the amount that it can take out of you on the day-to-day. -day. Um, but there is so much joy that can be found yeah. and a bit like you said Kim the small things really matter and I I think that that is something that has kept me in the job is just like deciding to believe that the small things matter mm. and again I think that is something that Jesus did Jesus mm. knew that the small things mattered I mean of course he did he created them he mm. is he is God and he sees he sees if a child doesn't know their four times table and he sees if somebody wrote a really wonderful story about a dragon. Like, <laughs> and although these things seemingly don't matter, you can easily think that, you know, they, they're not going to contribute to society or you're not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. But choosing to believe that the small things matter has actually weirdly been the thing that's kept me in it. I think for some people it's the thing that, that kind of, yeah, pushes them out. Mm. But I guess, I mean, maybe I'm just quite stubborn. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of teachers are quite stubborn. Um, <laughs> but I think if Jesus cares about stuff, then I want to as well. Um, but it is difficult when also people tell you, oh, yeah, you're doing a really good job. You are 
kind of changing the world and you think well today I cleared up vomit from the carpet so it really didn't feel very much I'm like some people are very grateful you I did, did. <laughs> change the world but you know thank you for being encouraging did um, they not give you sand to help but we that? do have sand Good. yeah Glad which is hear it. a great teacher tip <laughs> if wants to sand sand. for clearing up vomit, clearing up vomit. Um, but weirdly that's kind of been the thing that's kept me in yeah um Stubborn is one word, but I'm sure Kim wouldn't allow you to use a negative word. You'd probably say determined. Determination, yes. Resolute. <laughs> Resilient. I think the detail that um, the detail is really important. And, mm -hmm. and the thing, one of the areas of the Bible that kept me going is, is thinking about in the in the in Exodus, when they're making the Ark of the Covenant, mm -hmm. the detail. I never yes. really understood. All that, if I'm honest, because I'm not, I'm not like you, Mark. I, you know, I don't understand. Or I, I don't understand all, all the theology. And sometimes I used to kind of skip over some of the detail because I was saying, oh, I don't really need to know about how many jewels and this yeah. kind of thing happened. But actually, what struck me um, at one point was was actually the difference, though, that they then talk about how people create and the skills of everyone. Mm. And how in, in, in creating that, and then he made them teachers. And actually, it is in the detail. It is in the tiniest of details that, and often you don't know that that's the one thing that has helped that child mm. to, to move on and, and to, to kind of break through with them because you, you bothered to do the, the one yes. detail. Yeah. And, um, and, and for me, well, it's always just keep coming back to the fact that it is a high calling to be a teacher. And yeah. you're right. And on the day when you're, you know, you're dealing with sick and vomit or, or as we were coming up to glitter on the floor <laughs> and the cleaners are cross with you because there's so much glitter and glue all over the floor. Actually, it's remembering that I, today I made a difference. I did make a difference to one child. I had a conversation with a child that maybe won't have a conversation with anybody when they go home. Mm. That little section of Exodus is um, the making of the ark, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah. It's making the ark, making of something that would carry the presence of God yeah. and making it worshipfully. Yeah. And it says of Bezalel, who's yeah. the, the lead guy, that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, a rare yeah. thing then. And uh, number two was Aholiab. Yeah. That's the right way to yeah. pronounce yeah, it. I'm not sure. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it's a curious thing, and indeed they yeah. were called on to pass that on to others. Yeah. So here we have Bezalel and Aholiab, clearly, thank you, anointed people by the Lord mm -hmm. to produce something beautiful for him, carrying his presence mm -hmm. into the classroom, into schools, mm -hmm. day by day, mm -hmm. and teaching others his ways, whether they know it's his ways at this stage or not, mm -hmm. and whether in... I won't say how many years' time. <laughs> you, you too have stories of children who come back yeah. in their 30s with their children. Yeah, let's hope so. May it be so. Kim, I'm going to ask you a question if that's okay. Ooh, yeah. Um, what would you say to a young teacher, a young professional, somebody who works with children and young people when things really are hard? I, actually, you know, that... That does happen, and uh, and as a head, it happened. You know where people were finding things overwhelming and difficult. Um, one of the things I was told uh, 
in my early time as a teacher was that the the leadership and the ethos of the place you work in is really really important mm. and that um one thing to consider when you're struggling or maybe becoming overwhelmed is am I in the right place not is teaching right for me yeah. actually because schools are, are very different places and they operate in different places you talked about your earlier to me about your your school and and the head teach and the supportive um, environment in which you work and um as as an inspector I've seen the myriad of, of places and different leadership styles and different places and people flourish in in all sorts of ways but if you are finding that I, I would say don't give up on teaching mm. think about whether you're in the right place first and whether there is something somewhere else that you can flourish yeah very good my, can I ask you a question? Of course. So my question <laughs> to you is, you you know, you obviously are doing really well. And uh, Mark has alluded to the fact that you've become maths leader and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and kind of other responsibilities. How do your leaders equip you for that extra, extra responsibility that you have as well as teaching your class? Yes. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to find time in a teaching day to do anything extra um I think really I think the thing that they do most is they model what is what is needed um they model good practice they model how to have good working relationships they model what you know good classroom practice looks like and I know that kind of sounds kind of like a cop-out it's like they're not really doing much extra but but they are I think when you can watch and you can learn from really positive, really in, um, influential leadership, you can absorb so much without even realizing. Um, and so just the way that they are, the way that they support me, um, the way that they bring me into decisions that need to be made. Um, I remember the other day I was making a decision um, about, well, helping to kind of decide if somebody should be employed or not. And obviously I've never done that before. Mm. Um, and it obviously was not my final decision, but I was brought into the conversation and the questions that they ask me to draw out my thoughts about it, because I've never had to think about that before, mm. was was really helpful. And even just experiencing how they lead me and learning good leadership from how mm. I'm being led, mm. I actually think is something really, really significant and is often overlooked is when you're being led by good leaders is, well, what do they do? How did they have that conversation? Yeah. How did they approach that, mm -hmm. um, that difficult topic? Mm -hmm. And just watching and consciously trying to absorb mm -hmm. what they do. Um, and also asking good questions, I think goes a long way. Yeah. Remembering that actually I can ask for help and I can go to them uh, yeah. and ask how they did something. Because everybody also starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think as being a young teacher, I, I forget that. I feel mm. like it's me against the system. <laughs> and, and it's really not. No. It's really not. We're, we're all kind of figuring it out as we go along mm. and there is no need to, to try to be perfect. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's reassuring for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both uh, so much for, you. For, for blessing me and us today. 
Um, this is the Thank Goddess Monday podcast, so obviously you get gifts. And because you get gifts and Thank Goddess Monday <laughs> podcast, I'm going to have to do this rather inelegantly uh, for the cameras, and they're going to be annoyed later. I uh, didn't do that very well. That's going to be remorseful, <laughs> speaker remorse. So since it's the Thank Goddess Monday podcast, guess what book you get? Wow. You get oh, a and because, well, this was happening before you mentioned chocolates, here are some chocolates for you. It's not even Friday. It's, it's not, not even, even Friday. It's only Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday. And these little red orbs, you know, these are branded chocolates, red orbs of sweetness to remind us, like the red dots, what a sweet thing it is to follow Jesus in our day-to-day -day work. And um, because I knew about the tissues just in case, I, <laughs> I absolutely blew it. Especially, I don't want any other guests to expect three gifts. Those are your gifts. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's really well, kind. Thank, thank you so you. much again. How, how blessed all your pupils and those you lead and teach in variety ways have been. A good teacher is a gift from above, isn't it? It's a gift from above. And it reminds me today of how grateful I am to the many people who, who taught me some of whom I did thank, and some of whom probably I should have thanked, but praise, praise the Lord for all of them. Well, wherever you serve, whoever you serve this week, whatever your work is, may the people you serve know indeed that they are precious and significant to the King of the universe. And may you know it too in all you do for him. Thanks for listening.